0: Hello everyone, uh, all you loyal, no-name podcast listeners. Today's the 17th of April 2020, it's Friday. Uh, it's actually Greek Good Friday in the, in the Orthodox calendar, so um, yes, if anyone's no one to be attending church tonight and doing the usual walk around the block um, with the Epidaphio, but uh, yeah, that's... Um, that's what will happen this year because we live in these uh, uncertain and strange times. But uh, it's a good day and people are enjoying themselves. So, yeah, it's a good day and uh, uh, you've done all right. So, yeah, uh, on this day, the, the Dow Jones uh, opened 3,000 points higher than, uh, well, closed at 3,000 points on this day, 1991. Uh, and today, uh, as we sit here on the 17th of April, Bear's sixteenth of April in the United States of America. uh the Dow Jones closed at twenty three and a half, just over twenty three and a half thousand. So, whew, eight times the value. You gotta be you gotta be pretty happy with that. uh also on this day, two thousand eleven, Thor was released. Thor with um Chris Hemsworth, uh that movie where they all just go around and you know look like action heroes and you know kick the crap out of bad guys. All that sort of stuff that doesn't really involve that much acting and lots of. Uh, Lots of green screen stuff um, that premiered on this day, 2011. 2016, a uh, bloke by the name of Jimmy Anderson, English cricketer, became England's all-time leading uh, wicket taker. He's a fast bowler. I remember probably 2002, 2003, when the Englishman came out here. Um, I think he might have played in a couple of one days from memory. Uh, he was pretty young back then. He wasn't wasn't that much chop, but uh, over the years, he's become one of the world's best and most consistent bowlers in the last 15 years. So, um, yeah. Uh, good on him, England's leading wicket taker um, sticking to the cricket theme, uh, on this day in 1972 uh, world renowned thrower and the world's leading wicket taker in test match cricket uh, Matai Mata- Muralithran uh, or Murali Darwin uh, was born on this day so that makes him what, 48 years old uh, him and Warnie had always had a good little good little battle going on there for many years to see who would who'd be the best um, I guess Warnie sort of had taken the most test wickets and then really was a few years younger than him and uh he managed to managed to get him and n- uh, nab him at the end so i think really uh, uh if you have a look so he took exactly 800 test wickets 13 in t20s and 534 in one day international so um yeah it's a pretty pretty impressive uh pretty impressive uh, resume he built up over his career morally. Um, even though he was a he was a chucker in my view, he basically played nineteen years of Test match cricket from ninety two to twenty eleven. Um, pretty good average for a spinner, especially twenty two. That's that's terrific. Um, and yeah, he, he was a, he was basically a bunny with a bat. He averaged eleven in Test match cricket, but good on him. He uh, you know he he's the best. Yeah, you know, I guess if you look at wickets, he's he's probably considered the best, uh, in the world. So yeah. So happy birthday, to Morley! Uh, the world's best bowler, as some stay like me, um, pitcher in the world, chucker. Uh, on this day, nine ninety five. Joe Wilfred Songer was born. Uh, so that makes him what, well, thirty five years of age. Makes it, makes me feel a bit old now. Um, Joe Wilfred, he was one of the guys. I remember watching him. Oh, maybe in 2007 at the oz open i think he played against andy broke i remember being there that day um he'd lost to him but he was he was definitely fiery and he, he didn't give anything in so hats off to uh hats off to him that's for sure um for the way he went about it and the next year he came back unseated and made it to the final all the way against jokovic where jokovic won his first grand slam um at melbourne park in 2008 so yeah, Joe Wilfred's song. I remember him when he's uh, just a just a young man, and uh, you now he's a veteran of the uh, the tour. So yeah, now wanted to uh, kick off today. Oh, the other thing I wanted to do today, the seventeenth of April, did my top five or favorite favorite five South Melbourne soccer club or football club uh, world game players uh, yesterday in the podcast. Today I was going to go through. I've already done my best Liverpool eleven. Um, I was looking at it. I was going through my top five. Favorite soccerers of all time. So I wanted to go through that. Now there are some a few guys here that are unlucky. Um, all these guys are now retired, mind you. Um, they're, they're playing that that previous era. Um, I guess these guys were all part of the golden generation and, and uh, sort of tucked on a little bit of the end of the start of the next generation uh, as well. Some of them. Uh, but yeah, there's some some players that are unlucky. Mark Schwarzer, um, great. Great goalkeeper for Australia. I think if you have a look at his performances, especially against Uruguay in two thousand five and at the World Cup in two thousand six, uh, he was he was prolific. Uh, those they shots that he saved in the penalty shootout were basically vital, uh, vital to, to Australia winning, uh, winning that game against Uruguay and qualifying for the World Cup for the first time since nineteen seventy four, which is just an unbelievable, unbelievable evening. I mean, it's. It's Hard to believe that's what 14 and a half years ago now. Um, it literally feels like I could, like, someone said to me, What were you doing? Like, what happened? I could tell them exactly what I did that day. Went to school, went to Greek school, um, came back from Greek school, had the game on in the car. As soon as I got in the car, I think, um, Kew literally came on, and then a minute later, Prisciano scored, and you couldn't really decipher. Like, I still thought Kuhl had scored. Um, I, I, I actually thought Kill had scored. Um, but it was it was actually Bresciano because the commentators were just so delirious that they were that the board gone in they'd forgotten to uh, to actually say who, who had scored. But yeah, that was just unbelievable. So Schwartz are there for mine. Um and then watch the rest of the game at home in my room, uh trying not to wake anyone up. Um hope I didn't. It's a long time ago now. Um Schwartz are unlucky, Vinnie Grella, absolute star, um, controlled the middle of the park. Uh, he's unlucky to miss out, but a great player, Brett Emerson. He could literally play everywhere. The guy was probably the fittest. I think all the players say he was the fittest player in the side. Definitely, I think a lot of people say he was probably the fittest player in the English Premier League at the time as well, uh, and and for for many years. So I um I've got him in there as well. He's uh, Brett Emerson. He's he's a bit unlucky. Um, the old Blackburn Rivers player. But um yeah, my number five. I'm gonna kick off at number five. Um, a guy who played 84 times for Australia, uh, 13 goals. Uh, I mentioned him before. He was the man that scored that goal in that game against Uruguay um, to make it 1-0 on the night and 1-1 on aggregate, Mark Bresciano. Um, again, him and Grella just controlled the middle of the park. They played, played a lovely style. I think both of them grew up in Melbourne. They were, they were you know, good friends growing up. They played together, played together in the NSL at Carlton um, Soccer Club. could do a whole podcast series on defunct NSL soccer clubs Um, and there's probably a good chunk of it that could be dedicated to the Carlton soccer club but uh, I must say Bresciano was yeah Bresciano he was he was he was a special player he played basically his entire career in Italy and you know he was used to that physical style him and crap just controlled it all pack perfectly for the soccerers when they were playing so 84 games 13 goals Um, Mark Bresciano what a man um, I also remember the 2014 World Cup, which is sort of his last, his last sort of uh, campaign for the Socceries. It was a poor kid, who was one of the mascots that had um, had his shoelaces untied. And the poor kid, I think, had polio or some sort of disease with his legs. He was on crutches, and and Brech literally the like was standing there, you know, two minutes before the, they're gonna run out a World Cup game, and Brush was literally um, kneeling down tying this kid's shoelaces. It's a beautiful photo, actually. Um, so yeah, Mark Breschiano, number five for me. Number four. The other hero of that night in two thousand and five against Uruguay, um, he was a really good player actually. Um, at club level, he played in Italy. He played in he played in um, in Spain and Syria for many years. He played in England as well for a little bit. Uh, John Aloisi he, he was very underrated. Uh, Fifty five games to the is twenty seven goals. Um, I remember probably the the main thing I remember about him other than those goals he scored Uh, or that goal we scored against Uruguay and the goal against Japan when it came on and scored an absolute number injury time at the World Cup was the Confederations Cup in 2005 when Farina, Frank Farina, was still coaching and the Sopperos just weren't that good. At the time, we just didn't have, um, we didn't have a full strength side. I wasn't quite sure what happened and, and sort of hitting hadn't come in yet. So Farina was still sort of a little bit out of his depth. I mean, we played Germany. I can't remember who else we played, but we didn't play very well at all. Um, but I think I think we might have scored maybe four goals in the tournament and we, no five goals in the tournament LC scored four of them. So I'll never forget that 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 LEC was the our only player that at that um, tournament that saved us from from sheer embarrassment. I think we lost all three games and Farina got sacked pretty pretty quickly afterwards um, and they brought in Hinnick, which is just a master stroke and a half. Um, number three. Now this is the bloke, the the hero of Kaiser Schlatten. Comes off the bench, two thousand six World Cup final, uh, World Cup first game for the Socceroos. Socceroos have not scored a goal at the World Cup finals yet, and here comes Timmy Cahill, um, prancing, gets in the box, scores one one. Few minutes later, scores with an absolute peach from outside the box, um, Australia's 2 one up. You know we're we're basically we've got one foot. Already at the next uh the round of sixteen after that basically due to that due to that performance which was fantastic so, uh, Timmy Cahill um that's the other thing with him I just love the fact that you knew when he was going to come on especially later on in his career he played 108 games for Australia 50 50 goals so he's Australia's leading goal scorer of all time for the Socceroos but you knew when Cahill was going to come on something was going to happen um the Socceroos went back to playing long balls and wide balls heading to uh, crossing it into Cahill trying to hope he would header it. And you know, nine times out of 10, if he could, he would header it and he'd, he'd head it and he usually put it on target or score. So that was a really good thing. And I remember the 2015 Asian Cup, um, we were sort of struggling. We'd been struggling a bit and, and then we came in after, after Holger Osiek and, and regrouped, uh, regathered the side and regrouped. And fortunately for us, we actually managed to, to win that Asian Cup in Australia, which is fantastic. And Cahill was a big part of that. I think he scored a couple of headers. I think it may be in the quarter final stages, in um, the semi-finals, I suppose. But anyway, Tim, Tim Cahill. You can't say much more about the man. He's, he's an absolute freak and a half. Um, number two, 17 goals for Australia in 58 games. Uh, the, the bloke was a star in England for many, many years. For the, You know, the best part of a decade. He was an absolute star in England. Mr Sovereign is probably the most gifted player um, athletically and, and probably talent-wise as well uh over that that golden generation you know I think he made his debut at 17 for the Socceroos. 17 and a half 18 96 or 97 Harry Kuehl. uh you can't go past a man like him uh he was he was elect- he was sort of a bit like Cahill. you knew every time he touched the ball that something special would happen either around him uh, or he'd create something or, or he'd just score and I think that 90s Uruguay when he comes on, comes on the 20, 25th minute mark, whatever for Tony Povdic is center back. And he comes on and literally within the first two minutes, he's already touched the ball. And with one touch, he's basically set up the first goal. And that was, that was sort of the deadlock. And it was kind of like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Um, You know, I mean, he comes on and he scores, you know, you wouldn't, or he sets up a goal, he assists the first goal, um, which was, which was vital at the stage. he was just uh, he was a very very gifted player. I think we probably never saw the the full. Uh, we never saw as good as he was in England, especially for Leeds. Um, and later on at Liverpool, he was never quite um, he's never quite at his his peak for the Socceroos. Probably, uh, I'd probably say that You You say a, a player like Timmy Cahill, even though he was a great player in England, he definitely, I mean, he was the heart and soul of Australia, Australian football for the best part of the last decade. Um, he always made sure he, he played his best for the soccerers and was killed cool and injured a bit more, so he, he probably couldn't give his best uh, times to the soccerers you know, at, at his optimal level. But he was still such a gun that he, he was he was brilliant to watch uh, at his best. And number one, um, another player from that era, he was actually the captain, captain of the 2006 World Cup side. Um, he's an absolute freak. 11 goals, probably not as many goals as even he'd like. 11 goals in in 43 games for the Socceroos, Mark Viduka. Again, uh, probably a player that uh, probably, you know, he was in Europe for the best part of 15 years and, and basically had a, a sensational career over there. And we might not have seen them, uh, you know, we probably would have liked to see more of him in the Socceroos top. Um, but I, I just never forget the fact that Viduka, every time he went out there, um, he had a target on his back. And I think what I loved about him was he would bring the ball to his feet, and when he had it at his feet, he'd bring other players into the game very well. I think that's something that's probably, the the Socceroos have really lacked since, um, is that sort of talisman that will bring other players into the game. I think guys like Kuhl and Cahill, they can change the game, but they don't really bring other players into it. Whereas Vaduka, he knew that he was going out there and that's why, you know, you look at his results and, you know, it's one goal in every four games for the Socceroos. He was sort of that sacrificial man, that, that number nine that was playing as a, you know, a centre forward, trying to hold up the ball. He knew that he wasn't going to score every game, but he was trying to give, you know, he was trying to take the double team and, and most of the time he would get double team. Um, he was an absolute star. So he, he was definitely, he was probably my favourite Socceroo to watch. Um, it also helps the fact that Mark Verdugo, he was number... He always wore number 36 at club level in uh in love of Sav Rocker. Um one of my mates said no three plus six equals nine, you know, number nine. If he didn't wear number nine, he wore number thirty-six. I said no, it was because of Sav. I got told that by my good friend Con francescos So um Duke's loved Collingwood. Um still loves Collingwood, loves Sav Rocker. I'm sure he loved Dane Swan as well. So um yeah, that was that was uh that was my uh, that's my top five of uh, soccerers of all time that I've seen in my in my lifetime. I mean, there's guys in here that I probably haven't seen the best of. So guys like Ned Zalich, um, Paul Hokon, they didn't play a lot um, that I can remember. So I can't remember them that well. And the sort of the current generation, Yednak, Moy, these guys, um, it's just not the same. So that's my top five. Uh, love to hear what your thoughts are podcasters out there uh listeners loyal listeners on who you think should be in your top five but yeah um i'm still planning got some uh guests in the pipeline still so i'm still planning on them and uh hopefully uh you enjoyed listening to the podcast and uh you have a good day and um, yeah i'll uh, have another podcast for you shortly cheers